There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Minor. Hello, folks. And helping us move from action. From awareness to action this week is Michael Soto, the Interim Executive Director of Equality Arizona, the leading statewide LGBTQ advocacy organization for Arizona. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much, George. So happy to be here with you and Centauri. So tell us a little bit about your work with uh, Equality Arizona and when are they going to make you the full-time executive director? (laughs) <laughs> let's just let's just cut to the chase let's ditch the interim tag oh that's a great question Thank um, you. you know so uh equality arizona is uh in a really exciting time so we are building a staff again for the first time in a number of years um and that started with uh, my position with the interim executive director uh we've been able to uh, thanks to the community's support, uh, their financial support, as well as other ways of supporting us, uh, we've been able to hire um, several other folks, including a development uh, director, an operations manager, and organizers that are working in the community. Um, so right now, we are doing everything that we can to get out there, get the LGBTQ community in Arizona engaged in civic and public life because we are passionate about that and we believe that all Americans should be involved uh, in, in the civic process. Um, and we're specifically doing work to tell the LGBTQ community why they are a part of that um, and why their voice is valuable and important in the civic process. Um, so. You know, we're doing everything that we can to spread that message, and it's my job uh, to make sure we have the resources to do that. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to make uh, more than just my position permanent, uh, but several positions permanent soon because the the support will be there, uh, the financial support, and the community's uh, goodwill and other forms of support. Excellent. And I will say, mm-hmm. to help answer that question, uh, Michael has done a phenomenal job in the short time that he's been part of EQAZ. And as a longtime board member, I've been able to see the evolution of the organization and uh, just leaps and bounds under his leadership um, so far. So I think that'll be something that we can probably move to full time here pretty soon, I hope, (laughs) if I have my way. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Santari. Uh, your support has been critical. The whole board's support has been critical as well. It's a team effort. Perfect. <clears throat> well, Michael would love to hear about how you arrived at this place. Take us through your career path and uh, and why you're passionate about doing the work that you're doing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think really even before I started uh, sort of my formal career path, I was set on uh, this path to public service and um, civic engagement uh, through my family um, and through our community. Um, I was raised actually here in Mesa, Arizona. Um, I was uh, born into an LDS family um, and also a family that has uh, military history and tradition. Um, So service was a part of my life uh, long before I actually started working for pay. Um, (laughs) So that's always been something that's been very important to me. Um, is being actively engaged in my community um, and really watching both my father and my mother uh, be very engaged in those respects. Uh, Both are veterans. uh, Both uh, have been involved in scouting almost their entire lives. 
must have been extremely engaged even through raising children, uh, fostering careers, all of those sorts of things in uh, the public, in public life. So um, they really taught me and were my examples uh, to be an outspoken advocate for things that I believed in um, and to sort of follow that path of being engaged beyond just my family and my immediate friends, but engaged in larger issues in society, um, especially my mom. Um, she, uh, she and my father divorced at a young age, so she really was an example of someone carving her own path um, while still being engaged in discourses greater than her own life. So, um, you know, once I got to college, I got involved immediately uh, in student activism, which was really good for me. Um, I was able to kind of learn some formal things that I hadn't learned as a young person. So I was engaged in student government, I was engaged in student organizations, um, and quickly started working formally for campaigns and for nonprofit organizations uh, that were issue-based, like the environment or LGBTQ rights. I came out at 19, and so LGBTQ activism fit very early on, um, and I jumped wholeheartedly into that and have been doing it ever since, honestly. <laughs> um, so uh, it was sort of a natural evolution of both my background and my personal identity, um, and just seeing the difference that it makes uh, from in my family, even uh, me coming out sharing my life with my family, um, seeing how that's changed who they are and the way that they respond to the LGBTQ community has been enormous. Um, And so pretty much everything in my life has been sort of a proof of concept of if we engage in this work holistically um, from an authentic place, from as who we are as individuals, um, and if we build relationships, we can build a greater understanding that creates a more free and open society for all of us. Well, I think that that's awesome, and I, I believe that that to be true, and I hope that that's what our future holds. I don't know necessarily that uh, that I feel that way in today's discourse. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, how 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 do you feel that the country's doing? So, well, I feel two ways about it. Um, the mainstream discourse, I feel. Uh, very sad every time I am engaged by it and in it. Um, I don't think it helps any of us to find more ways to be divided. Um, and I think there's too much focus on the ways that we're divided as a country and not enough ways in the way that we are one people, um, that we are a nation, that we are Arizona, right? That we are people, we're neighbors, you know, we're, we're family members, we're friends, we're coworkers, Um, so the mainstream discourse I find really disheartening right now. Um, I think, uh, everything from, you know, sort of the way that our political leaders are engaging in that to the way that mainstream media are engaging that in that are making it worse. Um, what I do find a lot of hope in though, um, is seeing regular folks stepping up and running for office. I am a deep believer in government by the people for the people. Um, So I love seeing new people running for office, getting engaged in their community at any level, Um, you know, volunteering as uh, in their party or volunteering for organizations or campaigns. All of that gives me a lot of hope. And at that level, I actually see a lot more people trying to understand one one another than to fight with one another. Um, So I'd love to see more of the kinds of conversations that are less, this is what I believe and nothing else matters and more, what do you believe? What would make life better for you? 
and an exchange, right? <laughs> so that we're listening to each other more um, and seeing each other as neighbors, you know, seeing each other as family, seeing each other as part of one great nation together. Michael, when you say regular folks running, what do you expand on that? Um, so people who have never run for office before, um, I think it's really exciting when we see folks uh, who haven't run for office before, especially when uh, they're starting at you know, school board, right, city council, sort of at uh, at levels where they can do the learning they need to do to run for higher office, hopefully. Um, when we're seeing, I think it's great that we're seeing more and more women running, more and more LGBTQ people running, more and more people of color running. Um, I don't know if you two know this, but out of all of the elected uh, offices in this country at every level, only 0.1% are held by LGBTQ people. Um, and I believe in representative government. And that's certainly not a percentage that's representative for LGBTQ people. So I would love to see more folks that, you know, have, have never thought that they would have a place uh, running for office, getting the training they need, the support they need, and then going through that process um, and participating in government. I think that that's such an important thing, and I was unaware of that statistic, although it doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um, and I really I, I appreciate, and I think everything you said was extremely well said. If you do focus on the national media, you'll think that uh, the country is absolutely on fire and we should all run out of it immediately. But when you mm-hmm. do narrow the lens to the local level, I'm, I'm with you. I do feel like uh, there is certainly hope for the future. So, And I think that we're a lot more similar than we are different. And I also know that uh, the only way that we're ever going to reach any kind of equality is if more people are entering the uh, the political process or wherever it is that we're working for equality. We have to get people entering the system. So I do think it's an exciting time. It's been fascinating. The organization I work for, um, we have a national PAC, and so we do work on all different levels of elections, and we're supporting Jared Polis in Colorado for governor, and he would be, if elected, the first openly gay governor. And I was like, that wow. can't possibly be true. And I was like, oh, no, that's that's true. He's the first, it's 2018, it's the first one, if he gets elected, which is just so fascinating to me. Yeah, that's incredible that, you know, I mean, it, it isn't to say that we haven't had governors in this country that are LGBTQ or that were, um, but to be open makes a huge difference, right? To be out of right. our, um, that kind of representation that tells, you know, young gay kids that being gay doesn't mean they can't run for office someday, which when I was a kid, that was true, right? Um, so it gives you a different kind of hope and a different kind of vision for the future. So a, essentially a, a, a lifetime of activism uh, one of the questions we'd like to ask is, what are the top three things that you've learned over the past three years? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> so top three things. Um, you know, I think something that I'm constantly learning is that this work, like I think most work in life, um, is all about relationships, uh, especially in a time where uh the mainstream sort of, you know, narrative is that we are divided and we don't like each other and, you know, we're, we're not able right. to reach common ground. Um, building relationships is more important than ever. Um, and especially building relationships with people that you might not agree on every political issue with, um, and still building really rich and valuable, uh, personal, professional, um, and civic relationships through that. Um, that's been a really big one. Um, I think a second one that's really big um, is really learning how to 
approach challenging conversations with generosity. Um, you know, I think a lot of us who, you know, engage in political work um, on any end of the spectrum, right? Um, and I, just as a note, uh, sort of began my uh, civic life and my uh, voting life and all of that as a Republican. So I've worked <laughs> both in conservative and political and progressive and liberal politics. Um, you know, on either end of those spectrums, I think sometimes we can tell ourselves that we are the only ones who are right <laughs> and kind of get into our own echo chambers of self-righteousness. Um, and so for me, it's been really important to learn how to have difficult conversations with people that don't do that, that are more about asking questions, that are more about listening um, that are about authentically sharing what my life has been like and what my issues are and the issues in my community, um, but in a way that doesn't negate anyone else's experience, you know, in a way that hopefully fosters some sharing and understanding um, instead of shutting people down. Um, uh, and I think the the third lesson, you know, I think the third lesson is that you're all, you may be surprised when you open yourself up to not judging people beforehand based on their party affiliation or based on their church or based on where they work or anything like that. Um, you're probably going to be surprised when you get down to it and you do that relationship building to how much you have in common with people, um, to how much you value the same things, you want the same things for your families, your neighbors, your friends, um, and to be open to that surprise. Uh, <laughs> because, again, you know, it's counter to that narrative, right, that we are so different, that we're too different to be able to bridge these gaps. Um, I just don't think it's true. You know, I think we've got way more in common than we do that's different. Well, those are excellent. I appreciate you sharing that with us. I'm, I'm curious, I, um, for your first, uh, just the value and the importance of relationships. Was there one thing or, or a couple of things that really highlighted the importance of that to you? Was it yeah, in the leadership I mean, position? Sure, yeah. You know, the, the most important thing was probably my family. Um, you know, when I came out at 19, my family and I split ways. We did not have a real relationship until I was 29 or 30. Um, and my family is very either LDS and conservative or evangelical Christian uh, by the time that I came out. Um, they did not agree that being a queer transgender person would be a healthy and positive and affirming life uh, for me um, and had a lot of objections to me living my life authentically. Um, what that meant was very, very limited contact <laughs> for about 10 years. Um, but the end of that really through small conversations, right, <laughs> through usually five minute conversations or less uh, with my parents, uh, with them. Uh, you know, seeing my life in small snippets um, and sort of at the end of them that my father, especially seeing the work that I was doing in the world, uh, meeting a few, you know, sort of close friends and other folks in my life that, um, you know, for the first time, really, that it, since I had been 19, since I'd been a teenager, um, you know, he he had this moment where me inviting him into my life at 29 saying, well, come and meet some people, you know, let's talk about, you know, who you are, who I am. Like we haven't seen each other really in 10 years. Like let's get to know each other a little bit. Right. Um, you know, what have you been up to? 
right? What have you been up to? Like, who are you today? Um, you know, through that process, uh, he had been out here in Arizona. He lives in St. Louis. So he'd been out here for a class reunion and we spent some time together. Then he, when he got back to St. Louis, wrote me this email where he just said he was sorry. He apologized for not being my ally. And he said, you are the person I've always wanted you to be. He was like, you care about your community. You're engaged in life in really positive ways. He was like, there's nothing about your life that I can't be proud of just because you're trans and you're queer. Um, and that opened up a whole new sort of conversation and ability for us to be in each other's lives. And, um, you know, now when I go to see him, like, I'll go to church with him if he wants me to. Like, we'll we'll go and do, you know, all sorts of different activities in the community together. Um, one, one time even uh, when I was back there, he went to his very first LGBT event ever. Uh, in St. Louis, they do a movie night the night before Pride, like a family movie picnic and evening. And he went to that and had so much fun. And he was there playing with the little kids, the gay dads next to us, talking to the elderly lesbians on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> had a blast. Um, and so, you know, we've been able to really see each other as people. Um, and see what we bring um, values wise to the world. And and we've been able to see that it's not really different. You know, we, we both work for the same values in different communities. Michael, thanks for sharing that. And you're a pro at this. And we've talked a lot about this um, as you and I have sat down. But how does how would you what do you think is the first step of engaging someone that doesn't necessarily think like you or you believe they don't necessarily think like you? How do you do that in a very tangible and like practical way? Such a great question, Centauri. And I think I really like how you said you believe they don't think like you. <laughs> That's really good because um, we all make up those stories in our heads, right, about different people. Um, so I think the most important thing is to ask questions first. Um, you know, even though, you know, it's human nature to try to sort of put people in categories and, you know, understand people that way. I think the most important thing is to actually ask people what they think um, and dive into it. You know, if someone, you know, often we're not really used to being asked in-depth questions about how we see the world and our lived experiences and what we bring to the table in that respect. So not just starting, stopping at, you know, are you pro-life or pro-choice? You know, just be like, ask a more detailed question, you know, ask someone about their experience and where their beliefs come from. You're going to get a lot further than just asking for talking points. You know, um, those talking points are not meant to bring us together. <laughs> the talking points are meant to, you know, sort of either galvanize people who have the same beliefs um, or separate you from a different group. Right. And so by asking questions about not just the, the headline, not just, you know, the BuzzFeed uh, title, <laughs> you know, but asking in depth, you know, so where did you come from? And like, what was your community like growing up that got you to this place where, you know, you're a lifelong Democrat or a lifelong Republican or, you know, what's appealing about, you know, these sort of political perspectives for you and how does it align with your life in a deeper way? Um, that is going to get us all a lot further <laughs> than just asking for, you know, whoever we listen to on the nightly news, uh, their opinion about something. No question about that. And I, I think that those, everything you've been saying certainly resonates a lot with me. And I love the idea of approaching challenging conversations with generosity and not being too self-righteous about stuff. And I think Centauri could probably take a page out of that book. That's <laughs> all I'll say. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Michael, uh, I, I know that you touched on 
some of the work that uh, that Equality Arizona is doing, but we'd love to hear more about the mission and the vision, mission and the vision of 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 the group. Yeah, so our mission is really simple, and it's to do the work of building an Arizona that is LGBTQ inclusive. Um, and so we're doing that right now uh, by by engaging the community in the civic process. So we're actually going all around Arizona and we're teaching people the nuts and bolts of civic engagement. So teaching people how government works, how they can get involved as a citizen and as a voter, um, and then trying to connect them to candidates and issues that they're interested in. Um, So we do this, uh, we're doing this in a nonpartisan way. Our lens is always, you know, LGBTQ inclusion uh, and equality, Um, but we don't assume party affiliation gets you there, right? Because there are Republicans that believe in LGBTQ equality and there are Democrats that don't. Um, and so we we believe in getting people focused on the issues that they're passionate about and then connecting them through that to the civic process. Um, we're also doing some really fun work uh, trying to connect LGBTQ culture to the civic engagement process. We're calling that pose to the polls. Um, so you're probably familiar with voguing from Madonna, right? Um, so she took that dance style from the ballroom, the voguing ballroom scene. Um, and we're actually throwing a ball in early November. Um, and we are throwing a pre-event called a kiki, which is a practice ball. It's a bunch of, it's dancing, it's learning how to do the posing. Um, and we're going to do that this Thursday on October 11th at Cobalt in Phoenix. Um, and then the, uh, the full on ball will be in early November, right before the election to get people really excited and really ready to get out there and vote. Excellent. Centauri, do you know how to Vogue? I do not, but I think I can learn via the YouTube. Yes. Let me try this out. (laughs) All right, fair I will fail horribly at this, by the way. Uh, I'll fail horribly with you. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Um. I have to imagine that as we become a little bit more interconnected through social media, it's doing some terrible stuff, uh, but also giving you an opportunity to do better outreach because Arizona is, well, we're so, so much of the state is concentrated in the Valley in Phoenix, but there's a lot of people spread out throughout the state and it would be tough to actually go to all of them. So I have to imagine that, that technology has been a benefit to, to do more outreach. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, technology is one of the main ways that we reach folks in rural Arizona, definitely, but we are making an effort too to get in front of them in person. Um, in fact, one of my favorite places in the state, I'm going to give a shout out to Sierra Vista. Um, I've gone down there twice, uh, this fall and late summer. And let me tell you the Sierra Vista LGBTQ community, especially the P flag group down there, they are ready and rare. And those folks are so excited about being engaged in the civic process. They're registering everyone they know to vote. Uh, they are, we did last week, uh, a ballot walkthrough with them. So walking through all the different candidates, talking with them about what the propositions are, all of that. Um, I've never seen so much excitement for civic engagement than in Sierra Vista, Arizona. So they're an incredible model and we appreciate them a great deal. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do though. We do use social media a great deal. Um, we use that to, 
to get out information about what we're doing, um, to help people sign up and get involved in the in-person opportunities, um, as well as we use Zoom uh, to do some digital engagement and learning for folks. Um, that way, you know, everybody has an opportunity to be engaged in some capacity, either in person or digitally. Love it. It was, and Michael, I must say, it wasn't until being involved in the Quality Arizona that I realized that just how effective and powerful Facebook could be or other social media and getting the word, not only getting the word out, but also dialogue among people and meaningful dialogue, not just the shouting. Uh, although there are some of that, like people actually having conversations, meaningful conversations that probably don't know each other about certain topics. And Equality Arizona does a really good job at um, moderating that and facilitating those conversations. So it's been impressive, but also a good model and exemplar on how it can be done right. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's really important is, you know, so we spend so much time on social media these days as individuals. Um, it's really become sort of a replacement for the public square in some ways. And so for us, it's critical that we are engaging people in a way and encouraging our community to engage in a way that furthers connection instead of just a platform for my ideas are the best. Um, so uh, we're doing we're doing our best to really get people talking to each other, um, like Centauri said, in a meaningful way. Love it. Well, Michael, knowing that the entire world would hear it, what plea would you make? <laughs> what plea would I make? Um, I think I've got a real simple one. Uh, first, it's get out there and talk to someone who doesn't agree with you or who you think doesn't agree with you. Sit down, go for a beer, go for a glass of wine, share some food, um, and start building a relationship through sharing with one another something, a different point of view, you know, something that you've never thought of and try to surprise, try to surprise that person with something they've never thought of. And hopefully they'll do the same, um, to get you to see an issue, a life experience that's different. Um, and then, and also talk to that person about voting, um, you know, encourage someone, not just people who agree with you, but encourage, encourage everyone in your life to engage in the civic process. It's not about who people vote for. It's about getting them out there and voting, getting them engaged. We will have a healthier democracy and a healthier society if more people are actively engaged in the process, no matter what their political affiliation is. Um, so encourage everyone in your life to talk to each other and get out there and vote. I think that's excellent. Fantastic. Well, Centauri, what have we got? What have we forgotten to talk about? Um, answered all my questions. Plus, I get to talk to Michael all the time. So I think we're good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Michael, how can people engage with you and Equality Arizona? So you can engage with Equality Arizona uh, at our website, which is www.equalityarizona.org. You can engage with us on Facebook uh, by looking for Equality Arizona, at Equality Arizona, um, and the same thing on Twitter, at Equality Arizona. So you can find us very easily. Um, we are actively engaged right now uh, in communities in northern, southern, and central Arizona. So check out our social media and our website to find the next opportunity to come and meet us in person or meet us digitally. Uh, we can't wait to meet you and hope to see all of your listeners at something soon. Excellent. Well, Michael, very much enjoyed the time. Very much enjoyed learning about you and Equality Arizona. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you, George and Centauri. Really appreciate this time with you. And uh, thank you for having me on and for letting me talk about the work that Equality Arizona is doing. And as always, thank you so much for listening do feel free to uh, 
Share the show on social media with somebody that you think would also appreciate the great ideas that were shared today. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real. On behalf of Centauri NI, thanks as always for listening. Please subscribe to the show, leave us a review, and feel free to share the show on social media. Thanks a lot.